That's out. Oh, he's, got, he's, dropped oh, he's dropped it. He's dropped it. I don't believe it. That's unbelievable. He was throwing it up. He thought he had it. It was a little lollipop. And the man who did so well with the bat has taken his eye off the ball. And the ball has just dribbled out of his fingers. He was about to throw it up. I hate grade cricket. The grade cricketer is a Twitter stream. It's about playing cricket at the grade level. It's a tough, mean, dirty, dirty business being a grade cricketer. A lot of cricketers, you know, that's all they know. They've mm. done it since they're 10 and they have a deep-seated fear of change. But the grade cricket is all about being the most alpha version of yourself as possible at all costs and at all times. I don't bat or bowl. I just feel a gully, count the number of dot balls in a row, sledge 15 yards, make me feel better about myself. Thanks, Thanks champ. champ. Oh, no, you called me champ. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Great Cricketer Podcast. Well, the World Cup is almost here, a mere few days away from match day one. We'll run you through all the warm-up matches and tell you what they mean and how nothing means anything under a Boris Johnson government. Smith scores 100, knocks England out of the World Cup after getting booed like he was David Warner. New Zealand smash India, but Coley's walking like a dude, feeling all cool. South Africa beat Sri Lanka in a warm-up battle for sixth place. Afghanistan and Pakistan go head-to-head to remind us they exist. Monty Panesar tells us that everyone is cheating always. Izzy West Westbury gives us the view from the UK, and Australian Wunderkind, Will Bukowski, joins us fresh off the back of a circuit, and we'll answer all your questions using the hashtag AskTGC. My name is Ian Higgins, and I'm joined, as ever, by Sam Perry and Dave Edwards. Boys, good evening to you, and the World Cup is mere days away. Oh, here goes. I'm, uh, I'm blown away by the clinical precision of that introduction. Uh, also blown away by how crisp your voice is on the uh, the Telstra ads that are coming through as well. You've got, you've got some good voiceover chops. That only took uh, four hours to record the 30-second ad. And, and just finally blown away by your 7% body fat and the 40 Instagram followers that you gained after I, uh, after I mentioned that. I saw a piece uh, in the Sydney Morning Herald today that I wanted to pick up with you uh, on air. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the elite private school dating app called Toffee. Yes. Uh, that was launched in Britain yes. last year. It bills itself as the world's first dating app for people who are privately educated. You're privately yeah. educated wow. and reasonably elite. Are you on this uh, on this app? Uh, I don't want to say that I'm one of the backers for Toffee, um, mm. but you know it's just finally nice to be able to meet someone, uh, excluding all uh, all people outside of anywhere that I grew up I grew up with. So, um, yeah, does finally... that dating app have a radius outside of 800 meters from the Oaks in, in Neutral Bay? Because <laughs> I thought that was where you met all of your. Mm. Um, potential conquests within that specific 800 metre radius. And where I live as well, so mm. cheers. Yeah. Mm. Love have gone from World Cup to like ultimate localism in two minutes, 15 <laughs> yeah. seconds. Well, we straddle the line. We straddle. Yeah, that's, and we, we're just giving the people what they want. Um, lads, before we get into the show, um, we did uh, uh, sort of uh, tease some huge new K oh, news last week. This um, is huge. Well, it's huge and true now. Um, that can be confirmed. Um, look, you know, who better to... Last um, week it was just huge. This week <laughs> it's huge that's, and true. That's true. <laughs> that's true. So, I mean, who better to uh, make this announcement than our uh, producer and friend of the show, Toby Shane. So here is the big UK announcement. Very good. 
Thank you, champ. No, no, you call me champ. 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 The Grade Cricketer is bringing their live show to the UK for the Ashes. Join Pez, Dave and Higgos as they explore the A to Z of cricket. From club to country, from champ to chop king. With shows in Birmingham, Leeds, Manchester and London, The Grade Cricketer Live promises to tackle cricket's deeper questions like why do we inflict this game on ourselves? What does work hard really mean? Will a tight chest and enormous pipes push me up a grade? And why is my father's approval so pivotal to my happiness? With special guests in each city, the shows will provide the perfect tonic to England's impending World Cup win and Ashes triumph. Head to thegradecricketalive.co.uk for details. Okay, so there it is. Massive news. We are coming to the oh, UK. The a world tour. A yeah. world tour. Uh, Birmingham on August 4th. That's a Sunday evening. Then Leeds on August 6th. That's Tuesday. Manchester the next night, August 7th. And then we finish off the UK tour with uh, in London on August 13th. That is the night before the Lord's Test match, uh, Tuesday evening there in London. Um, you can get, obviously, all your tickets there at uh, thegreatcreditalive.co.uk. Um, so, bad Lloyds, uh, boys, lads. <laughs> Lloyds. <laughs> Lloyd's, <your> Bank. Assistant. <laughs> Lloyd's Bank. Lloyd's <laughs> Bank. second. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we're, we're heading over. We're heading over. UK boat tour. We, we've worked hard on this for a long time. Uh, I, I mean, I don't even know what any of these venues are. He goes the Glee Club in Birmingham, mm-hmm. the Wardrobe in Leeds, the Dance House in Manchester, and Leicester Square Theatre in London. So the great cricketers on the West End. I guess mm, is yep. what we're Finally. saying. And, 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 you know, like we, we had to do this tour because it sort of felt like there's something apocalyptic about this UK summer brewing. You know, mm. if it, whether it's England's World Cup win, uh, the impending World Cup win, that is, uh, Smith mm. & Warner's return, Anderson's farewell, getting chaired off with, with Stuart Broad. We, we just we felt like we just <laughs> had to be there. And, uh, you know, obviously we're going to have some guests at each of these shows as well, uh, so yeah, just wanted some early thoughts from uh, both of you on us in the UK. Well, I mean, Pez, I think we're ready. I mean, we've honed mm. our craft in Australia mm. over several years, particularly last summer. It's kind of like what the Beatles did in Hamburg um, mm. in the early sixties. <laughs> you know how they reps. really, yeah, reps, just reps, mm. club nights, doing those hard yards. I mean, we did last year. We did Adelaide. It was forty degrees. Jeez, it was hot. Our audience had rolled over from Adelaide Oval. That had absolute gallons of pig's ears, you know, <laughs> blind as everyone there. That was a tough gig. We did the Comedy Store in Sydney two nights in a row. The Corner Hotel, probably Melbourne's most iconic music venue. So, jeez, I'm hoping we're ready for this. Um, and if yeah. we're not, then I expect that we will delete the Twitter account finally. He goes, we're, we're, um, yeah. we're canvassing sort of um, – Midlands, England, up into the north of England uh. to kick things off. Will we survive that early foray yeah. uh, into the UK, just covering the northern areas? Uh, will we? Oh, almost mm. definitely not. I mean, there's no danger mm. we're getting to the west end. We'll, you know, Are we going north? I thought we were going south. <laughs> 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 we're going north. Also, a good time to remind our uh, Australian fan base that we are going to be in Melbourne and Sydney the week before we take off. So that's the uh, the twenty fifth and the thirty first, Melbourne and Sydney Corner Hotel Comedy Store in Sydney. Um, so yeah, we're just completely uh, selling out in all capacities. But also, I just want you to buy tickets um, all over the world. So um, please do come along. Should we actually talk about some cricket now? 19, well, hang on, one, one more shameless thing to say. Here goes. Yep. Firstly, tickets come out. I think next 
Friday on the 31st. But um, two, two shameless call-outs. First one, you know, anyone got tickets to Lords on day one and two? Or you? <laughs> um, <laughs> why not? Uh, you yeah. know, that's, that's something. Second, if there are any uh, clubs or organisations or, you know, corporates with deep pockets uh, yeah. who are just sick to death of hearing the same mafioso of blokes tell the same stories about their exploits on the test circuit. Yeah. We're very much available for hire on those days that we don't have shows. Yeah. You can call it shameless or yeah. financial justification mm. for coming over at all. Uh, but if your group is keen for some entertainment with material sourced after 1975, <laughs> get in touch with us at gradecricketer at gmail.com if you need to convince your CFO that we're normal people who can explain why club cricket selection contains more brutality than the arm wrestle for the conservative leadership. We do have a show reel. <laughs> Uh, and finally, yeah, if there are any tickets for Lords Day One and Two, <laughs> reach uh, out. It's for West End as well. I'd love to go and go and see um, some shows. <laughs> yeah, can anyone hit us up for some free West End tickets as well? <laughs> uh, how far we've come. We, we, just, yeah. we used to just ask for gloves. Now we're yeah. now we're trying to get tickets for yeah. West End yeah. shows. Is Hamilton still on? I got some of those um, <laughs> some of those ten pound tickets, but I was away when I was living in London. I didn't want to leave my dog at the house. If Hamilton. Any Hamilton tickets? Love to see if Hamilton. If Lin Manuel live. Miranda's listening. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, on the corporates. Yeah, no, but seriously. Um, all right, well, that's all the time we've got for this week's show. Um, it's been a pleasure. Um, thanks for tuning in as ever. Uh, we, couldn't, we couldn't do it without you guys, the fans. Uh, lads, there was a warm-up game um, that happened that was televised. Um, it, was, it was a 22-place, uh, 22-man game, um, just rotating squads endlessly. Australia versus England. Australia um, have, knocked, have successfully knocked England out of the World Cup already um, with, uh, with, with a weakened side. So um, can we take away anything from, from this match? Uh, Australia's seven for 295 but England's 280 odd all out oh, you can always take away things from anything he goes I mean I Good point. Good flicked point. Over, I mean I've always said that I mean we've, I flicked over probably for the first 20 overs or so mm-hmm. I saw us going at around 4 and over and I thought well it's 1999 we're off to the start <laughs> and that's fine because I liked 1999 yeah. But, you know, we're now in 2019 or some shit and everything moves mm. at a frenetic pace, social media, 24-7 mm. news cycle, policy on the hop, short-form snackable content across all mediums. You need to have a fast start. And if you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards. Um, yeah. Or at least that's what I thought. But, you know, we mm. beat England with a score under 300, so maybe it's 1999 again. That's what we want, isn't it? We want it to be oh, 1999 God, I want again. And that's like yeah. the, that's generally the vibe around Australia at the moment as well. Like uh, talking to a few friends and just just reading pieces and watching the TV. Like uh, this country more than anything else, like views sport through the prism of nineteen ninety nine. So as much as England like head into this World Cup with uh, an like an unparalleled record of winning over the last two years and a very mm. stable side in a situation where Australia doesn't yet know its batting or bowling lineup, people will still say yeah, but England's a myth. <laughs> You know, yeah, completely disregard them and overstate Australia's uh, ability. But Australia won. The two things I took away, he goes, and the two things that most people are talking about are one, Smith's got that fucking uh, frightening look in his eye that says, uh, Mm -hmm. I've been out of the game for a year, so I must now compensate with interest um, Mm -hmm. in the kind of savant style batting. Mm -hmm. Uh, Did you know that um, Smith referred to the booze as white noise? Yeah. Um, which is an apt way to describe a Southampton crowd, white blokes making a lot of noise. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine being so switched on and just in the moment that you apparently don't hear all the hurtful things said about you. Like when, when I'm batting, when I'm batting, like I hear 
everything. Like I hear yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes I'd hear the opposition slips cord just having a really good conversation, and I'd be like, "Fuck! I wish these guys were my teammates." Yeah. <laughs> but he he just blocked it out, and he's got that look in his eye, doesn't he? That look. Yeah, I can't remember if I said this last week or if it was in the one of the four ghost casts that we recorded last um, last last month or so. But like, yeah, I, I was I was away a couple of weekends ago on a boys' weekend, and um, one one of my mates had a couple too many drinks, and he also had that look in his eye just after a couple of rums, you know. But yeah. it's a sort of different sort of look. Different. Um, look, that Steve Smith got. I tell you what scared me is that Josh Butler hit a fifty off thirty balls and just looked really at ease, and then just like just chip one to mid wicket. He's like, is it warm up game? I'll just I'll get out of here. Like he is, he's an don't want to show him too much. Exactly. Don't want to show him too much. Um, yeah. I know we, we rested um, Stark and Cummins as we endlessly do. Um, just rest all our best players because the next series is the most important match. Mm. Um, but uh, I'll tell you what I can't get my head around. I can't get my head around Coulton Isle. I don't know what he is. I don't know, I don't know what a Coulton Isle is. Like, I, I've never seen him... You know, bowl particularly well, and he bats kind of like nine, and he's not really like he he threatens with late order runs, mm. but never delivers. Uh, I think he's probably going to play, and I want to know why. I think he's just that piece of the puzzle. He goes, he's a puzzle, mm. he's a puzzle piece. He's just a piece mm. of a puzzle, and you need to complete the puzzle. And without him, you can't complete the puzzle. I, I mm. think a, like a good <laughs> cool denial is like a is a bit of a poor man's. Pat Cummins, uh, and mm. then what elevates him into the national squad is the rig base selection. So oh, isn't he one? He's a, a good point. He, he, he's extremely good looking. It's a good if point. Just stop for a second. Conven- it's good conventional looking. good looks as well. Yeah. It's quite yeah. conventional. Could be any era. Put him in any era of Hollywood films, he, and I think he, is, he would yeah. be a leading man. He is. Oh. He's, a, he's a brawny Australian with like. Um, hairy forearms, which we implicitly trust, you know, mm. at a subconscious level. Mm, at all uh, costs. See, see, at all costs and times. Uh, but when he bowls well, he gets up around, you know, that he, he he's really that Australian tick box cricketer, like of bowling quite quickly, hitting very powerfully, being good looking and being a good bloke. Keith it's, Miller, what's interesting yeah. with the Aussie yeah. side is that, like, I think it will be between him and Nathan Lyon for that bowling spot if Australia goes with three. Mm. Quicks, Coulton I will be in, and uh, and Zampa will be the spinner. And if they go with two spinners, which sort of seems to be in vogue in ODI cricket at the moment, then mm-hmm. Coulton I will miss out. It'll be Stark, Cummins, Zampa, Lyon, and then a fairly conventional kind of batting order with Kerry at seven. Yeah, I think that's right, Pez. I was just looking at the other squads um, all over the World Cup, and basically everyone's playing two spinners. Um, and you look at like even New Zealand, they've got Ish Sodi um, and Santana, Lyon, Zampa, um, you know, Adil Rashid, Dawson, Overs from Joe Root, Ali, you know, yeah. it's these sort of things. Like it's, it's, all, it's a real yeah. strong emphasis on slow bowling. So I don't see many countries. I mean, uh, India, when they played against New Zealand, they played three spinners. Well, we, mm. should, we shouldn't be just following trends for the sake of it, I, mm. I don't think. I mean, we're, 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 Australia is meat and three veg, you know. It's <laughs> yeah. three quicks at one forty and a spinner. Yeah, we'll does blast a job. you out, and if we don't blast you out, we'll get a bloke on who can turn it a bit. But we will yeah. physically get you out before we have to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> and then when we start batting, we'll go at four and a half and over, be one for seventy five after fifteen, yeah. you know, and, yep. and launch in the last ten. Mm. Yep, ninety nine. Um, <laughs> we're going to win the same World Cup as we did twenty years ago. Um, I want to know uh, what you guys made of the the, the, the booing of 
Smith and Warner. I mean, we obviously touched on it there. The Smith claimed that he didn't even hear it. But um, we, I mean, was any, <laughs> any any surprises? Any surprises that that was kind of the the visceral reaction? Mate, it's like it's going to be such a tedious talking point for the next four months. This mm. stuff. So and let's talk about be, it on every podcast. So let's talk about it. <laughs> exactly. Like it's going to be a talking point where both countries can engage in a pissing contest about behavioural standards, leaving both mm. exposed to the worst thing you can be in the pre-Trump era: hypocrites. But now mm. we're in the Trump era. So we can say what we want, devoid of facts. So we'll say England shouldn't boo and ignore many issues of rampant booing in our own country. Incidentally, mm. there's a good Adam Goods doc about to come out. And on the England side, well, you know, the atrocities of empire don't seem to be a check on their sense of ownership over the rules of civility either. So in short, we both have heaps of fuckwits in our respective countries <laughs> who will continue to embarrass us and provide magnificent fodder for passive-aggressive journalists and Twitter wars. <laughs> Imagine if every, like, national team, like, when they were playing, they just had the... In, in the back of their mind, just the thoughts of past atrocities committed by their country. <laughs> it would be really difficult yeah. to, like, win games. Like, I think oh it would be God, really helpful. We We'd be much better people, you know, to compensate for the atrocities of empire. I think so. Uh, between every ball and between balls, you should be thinking about atrocities of empire and atrocities of your own country. Oh, I, get, I get the feeling like some of these wickets are going to be so flat that, like, you know, Justin Lang is going to start looking for any edge we can get. You know, England's talking about hitting 500 in yeah. innings. Like, it's not going to be long before, you know, we bring up, you know, colonialism. Yeah, so Justin Langer's going to get on Wikipedia and learn about England's <laughs> history and start bringing some insults and presses. Well, uh, overnight, Graham Swan did say, and this, I think this kind of sums up the, uh, like, tedious tit for tat. It was like, oh, I hate the booing of Smith and Warner. Don't sink to the standards you might expect in Brisbane. Be better. You know, mm. like, the dog whistle of, like, um, greater mm. civility mm. is just rampant, and it absolutely winds me up, which is absolutely mm. what he wants to do, and therefore mm. England win. It was yep. also good of him to, to yep. pick up on some of the uh, the, the undertones of the Australian election, what with Queensland being a pivotal seat and whatnot. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, some of the, what do you um, make of it, he goes, though? I mean, I, I did follow your Twitter feed. <clears throat> oh, I mean, the election. I, I, of course, it was <laughs> the election. Let's go back to that. Let's go back to that. I'm telling you, Shorten lost it when he was running over a bridge with no arm swing. Um, <laughs> I mean, of course, it was going to happen. I just thought it was. I think it's a weird thing to do. Don't you think? Like when you go to watch cricket, there's already enough fuckwits. Like, like your number one thing when you go to the cricket these days is like, I hope no one with a fucking sombrero sitting in front of me because I can't see anything. <laughs> it's 120 dollars a ticket. I'm here for eight hours. It's 15 dollars for a light beer. You know, like, and then, like, imagine if the person next to you is just booing a bloke um, who really didn't have much involvement in the thing that didn't affect you in any way. Um, Anyone I, that just boos at a player relentlessly throughout a match is doing? a fucking small-minded yeah. individual. Like, <laughs> you weird. just don't really have a brain yeah. that's functional. And I will include... Um, the, the Australians who booed Stuart Broad, and I, I, to be fair, I celebrated Stuart Broad. I, you know, I've no, those blokes to, were they were all, they were all right. Those I've hit balls right. to mid on and not walked. So Stuart mm. Broad, fair play to him. Nick wanted to slip. Yeah, stand your ground, mate. He's paid his fees. Fair play mm. to him. But yeah, like, I mean, <laughs> booing, booing, <laughs> booing, booing at a professional athlete is is a weird thing to do yeah. um, in general. But um, yeah. but yeah, same no, likes that boo players the same people that wolf whistle women from construction sites. <laughs> <laughs> But also booing someone who's who's scored a hundred though as well. Yeah, it's like oh he's brought up his hundred. Boo! Yeah, you absolute yeah. monster for being the captain of a side that ball tampered. I'm just I'm just aghast 
at your behaviour still. You shouldn't yeah. be here. Yeah, yeah exactly. No, it's just a wind-up, and they'll get under their skins because they're humans with uh, mental frailties, and England will win, and this is what and we've they got must to be do exploited. to win. Well, yeah, that'll be the first of four yeah. months of conversation with yeah, this exactly. continue. But it's okay well, because we behave badly too, so because we do it, they do it, and, and it's a good Twitter war. That's a good point, Pez. Well, I mean, speaking of uh, tit for tat, uh, Monty Panisar's come out with his uh, shockingly autobiograph, uh, his autobiography, his book for the full Monty. Um, <laughs> that England's bowlers use mints to alter the condition of the ball and assist with a reverse swing. Um, he said that he once used the zip of his trousers to wrap up the ball uh, and noticed that mints and sunscreen affected the saliva when shining the ball. Mm. Um, so this is a thing that we already knew, uh, but the Australian media's obviously taken this this moment to pick this up to say that hey, everyone's cheating and it's always happening. Yes, I th- like I, conspiratorially, you know, if I was working in comms at CA, I would I would commence the campaign to like broaden the discourse around who has ball tampered and like Monty mm. Panasar therefore is a double agent um, for cricket Australia. <laughs> I've read a good book called The Spy and the Traitor. It happens, you know. He's he's he. I, I don't know if he's defected yet. He did play for Campbelltown for a little bit. True. But yeah. Uh, and he West. says I might have also accidentally caught the ball in the zip of my trouser pocket to mm. rough it up a little. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, well, uh, unbelievable, isn't it, that other teams have ball tampered? You know, <laughs> can't believe um, it. Well, let's let's go. It. Shining let's go the ball in the this. zipper of the trousers. As well, I don't remember my whites actually having a zipper. But this is like the, mm. the bit that was interesting about this, um, because ball tampering is not interesting. It's been going on forever. Uh, yeah. it was when. Panasar told Nasser Hussain that he was with former Australian spinner Greg Matthews and friends in London uh, mm. when he struggled to join a conversation and in Verticom's Connect with Reality and then Greg Matthews uh, suggested to him that he see a hypnotherapist, which he later did. So let's just celeb- let's just separate a few things. Uh, firstly, um, it's good for Monty Panasar to address Take his mental health issues. That's right. But, my, but my let's just introduce Greg Matthews into this conversation. Yes, uh, finally. So when, yeah. Um, and Dave, Dave, I believe you said this, but uh, you know when you when you're taking suggestion or advice on mental health from, mm. well, I'm going to finish that. Let's just say he didn't come on our cast this week. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he joined the plethora of people who um, just left our messages as seen. Um, all right, let's let's move on to uh, India and New Zealand. They also their warm up game. Um, mm. India were eight for a hundred or a hundred for eight, depending on which side of the uh, mm. Atlantic you're, you're sitting on. Um, they ended up making about one seventy or something, and then New Zealand absolutely cruised it. Um, I was watching the highlights this before. Ross Taylor batted nicely. Kane Williamson does the job again, um, but that's not really the big t- talking point from this game. The big talking point is Virat Kohli's ad. Looking like a dude, feeling all cool. You've got the look, you're gonna rule. Hey man, you're all set for tonight. Bring the down red, cause we rot says so. But before you step out, yeah, bro, that pimple's gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. Bro, style you. pimple, ne? Himalaya men pimple clear neem face wash. Lurko ke liye, neem ke double action ke saath. Ye ziddi pimple ko asani se nikale. Looking good and loving it. Himalaya men pimple clear neem face wash. Himalaya, khush raho, khush hal raho. Um, anyone, any, any sort of takeaways from this game? It was surprising how much India struggled, um, particularly against. I think I feel like the wicket was a bit underprepared. It was a real green deck, and uh, and Bolt especially caused some troubles with the Indian top order. Yeah, I didn't watch one ball of it, nor one element of highlight of it, but I did nice. see that Harsha Bogle observed that New Zealand seemed to be enjoying it more. 
Is it important in cricket to be the team that enjoys it more? I can see if you enjoy cricket, then you'll win cricket. Yes. That's the equation of cricket. And if you don't enjoy cricket, you'll lose. Yeah. No, of course I fucking don't. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like the enjoyment factor only applies to some teams. Like, Australians have never been allowed to enjoy it. Can't enjoy anything in Australia. But but New Zealand... Not just cricket. You're not allowed to enjoy anything in Australia, Mm. lest you Mm. be called, you know, a a tall poppy. Let's never forget this. Mm. Mm. That's true. We used to be able to have nights out, especially in Sydney. Not anymore. Mm. Cut those short. Yeah, and <laughs> no, that's the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I feel like New Zealand, when they're enjoying their cricket, they're really, they're really, you know, playing well. But that's the opposite of Australia. Like we're in, we're enjoying it when the when the other team aren't. We're playing that's our best we cricket thrive. when we're like riven with like territorial <laughs> warfare, and we we all hate each other. Like the divide between the war and worn. Just that that's when we play our best cricket. Is when we're just yeah. at loggerheads with each other. You yeah. know, on a personal level. Hate, yeah. hate uh, is a huge emotional driver for Australian cricket mm. and has been for quite some time. I have a piece coming out about this actually this week. Uh, and um, <laughs> whereas New Zealand, in keeping with their like reputation, global reputation of being uh, admirable, progressive people under the leadership of Jacinta Ardern, are mm. going to uh, catapult their way through to the semifinals as the people's team. Uh, let's not mm. forget that they were in the World Cup final in 2015. Uh, they knocked Australia over in the, in the round games before. Mm. Um, Mitchell Stark left Brendan McCullum's stumps um, all over the MCG. Stump explosion. Mm. Yeah, it was a stump explosion, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but they're, every, they're a lot of people's pick for a semifinal berth and could go further. You know, Trent Bolt's one of the world's leading ODI bowlers. The conditions mm. are going to be favourable for them as well, given that it's England. And, you know, no one wants to say a bad word about New Zealand just because they're fucking great people and we wish that our country was like theirs a lot of the time. Mm. I wonder if their batting's a little light. Like, I, I, I that's that's my only... I mean, they have um, Gaptal up the top who, who can be an explosive player. Ross Taylor, for me, is a little bit... He, he might have two good innings in the tournament, you know, kind of thing. I mean, Kane Williamson's genuinely a world-class player, but he's not the kind of guy who'll take the game away from you in the same way that England have about four guys who can take the game away from you in, like, a power play. Mm. Um, I just wonder if that batting is just, a, a, you know, and, you know... F- for all the will in the world, Bolt's a good bowler, but they probably lack a, you know, a real class spinner as well. You know, Sodi and Santner, they're, they're decent, they're decent players, but you know, I, I can certainly see them finishing fourth. But anything higher than that for me is is going to take one of the other the, the sort of three short shorter price favourites to have a really bad tournament. And did I just you can't like see the that. way that um, they did that captain's photo um, mm-hmm. and the way that. Uh, Kane Williams was kind of just hovering on the outskirts with a really, mm. really kind of mm. uh, corny smile, uh, whereas yeah. everyone else was trying to look like a hard motherfucker. Like yeah. everyone, he was like, normcore. He mm. was really normcore. Like everyone else was just trying to exude alphadom, the fragrance mm. to alpha mm. by TGC or whatever it's called, chopkin mm. by TGC. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever it's called, the thing that we wrote. Yeah. I can't remember the thing we wrote. But <laughs> Alpha uh, that, that photo is fucking glorious. Yeah. yeah. I saw it was um, Dan Bredig, friend of the show, uh, yeah. on last week's episode, picked it up. And like, you, there was a, just a lot of uh, parallels could be drawn with like India having their own chair. And there's Coley with a big fuck off leg spread, just oh. just, his, just his piece everywhere up in my grill. Just, mm. just leaning, just reclining into a, a leather, you know, a leather lounge. Uh, 
yeah, a lot of metaphors there. Aaron Finch had kind of a one leg crossed over mm. the other in like this. Mm. Like you could tell that he'd never done that before. Like he's never crossed <laughs> his legs in that way in his entire life. Like it just looked really unnatural. Like the, just the yeah. glutes weren't quite there. It's like, you know, he's mm. never done that. He's never done that. Do you reckon those captain's days are kind of awkward? Where like you just you, you would yeah. know each other, you know everyone really well, but it's like, like no when you're at really a you know a to. trade show event and you see your competitors <laughs> there, and the bloke that's got the same job title for you for your competitor, and you're like, oh hey mate, I don't really want to chat to you, but I guess I yeah. should. I, yeah. I was having the same thought. The captain's days are like when you see people at a trade show event. <laughs> Uh, Pez, South Africa beat uh, Sri Lanka, who was still a test nation as far as I'm aware at the moment. Um, that would have been nice for South Africa to get redemption after them, uh, Sri Lanka beating them in the test series at home. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, redemption mm. secured in the yeah. practice match. Yeah, no one's talking about <laughs> South Africa seriously, are they? But they're a side that mm. has, you know, Duplessis, De Kock, uh, Rabada, Stain, yeah. fit like... Uh, you know they can they can knock teams off as well. Yeah, there's a lot mm. of like that. Seven teams can do a lot of damage in this World Cup. Poss- you know, possibly eight. Mm. Um, so uh, you know, I, I don't know. Like we said last week, I think if Australia turned up against South Africa, I'd have I wouldn't have like a boatload of confidence that we'd knock them off. Mm. Yeah, I think they're on a good side. Edos, let me put it to you that um, I, I think that. There's like a few teams that have no interests. They have, they have no right to be in this World Cup. No interest <laughs> in right really playing any games. They're just they're just going to ruin someone else's tournament. I'm thinking like Sri Lanka, West Indies. They're just going to they're going to uh, Pakistan as well. They're just going to put on it's like an amazing five star performance against yeah. one of the one of the favourites, and then they'll just ruin the like the, the you know the finals so chances of you know someone who can actually win it. You know what I mean? They're just going to ruin it, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, we talked <laughs> yeah. about the <laughs> like Gale we talked about the emergence of, of small parties last week, but. Yeah, yes. it's like, you know, Clive Palmer coming in and taking a small percentage, but preferences flowing, like, you know, the wrong mm. direction. They can just fuck up someone else's mm. good time, can't they? There's yeah, no other like reason what, for them to be in the competition. No, well. exactly. Like, like what I mean is, like, you know, let's say, let's say Australia's heading into the West Indies game, right, and, and Chris Gale hasn't scored any runs. You know, there's just every chance he hits 250, you know, against you, and, yeah. then, and then, you know, doesn't get another run for the rest of the tournament. But that's like in grade cricket when you're, um, you know, when your team can't make the finals, but you're in the yeah. last round or two, you're coming up against a team that can, or they're on the precipice yeah. of maybe not making the finals, and yeah. you pour your heart and soul into that performance like you have not done throughout the entire season. Because this is your opportunity to spoil Exactly. Someone else's party. Exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. if you can't win, like you know, Pakistan and West Indies who have actually won the World Cup before, mm. like if you can't mm. win, you've just got no right to be there. The no right next be best there, thing Pez. you can do if you can't win is to fuck someone else's good time. <laughs> That's exactly. I mean, it goes back to the point. Hate is a powerful driver. Mm. I mean, this is this is the overall theme name of the show, mm. most likely. Okay. Uh, Pez, uh, Afghanistan and Pakistan. What happened? Well, well Afghanistan won. Um, and then Australia plays Afghanistan uh, in mm. a couple of days. And mm. uh, it, Afghanistan have, like, uh, three spinners who um, yeah. are very good. Yep. Uh, you know, one, one of which, obviously, is uh, Rashid Khan, is Mujib Uraman and Muhammad Nabi. Uh, and they all played in the IPL, and they mm. all spin a web. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's mystery, sometimes it's not. And... Talking about ruining tournaments, I mean, like Australia has a relatively soft start to the tournament, uh, but if they don't get that right, then they're going to be in a shitload of trouble. So you know, mm. uh, yeah, I mean, I, like 
those who watch these closely know that Afghanistan aren't just there to make up the numbers. I know it's a horrible cliche, but uh, mm. yeah, they beat Pakistan. So um, I don't think I can remember a bowler like Rashid Khan. Where I was also watching him during the Big Bash in the last couple of seasons, and just batsmen can legitimately not pick which oh, way the ball is going to spin, so awesome. and it's like it's so awesome. Just like that's like that's that's real skill. Yeah, like like you know, for me. Apart from, let's say, taking a wicket, like the ability to like humiliate and deceive a batsman, mm. like by spinning the ball away contrary to the way they think it is spinning, mm. especially at that level, must just be so orgasmic. You mm, know, like yeah. you, you are you are putting your bat down this plane, and I already know that it's going to go somewhere else. Like those infinitesimal seconds must just be wonderful for Rashid Khan. You don't know which way it's spinning. You get paid to play. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember who sent it to us, but I think there was a clip in maybe it was a, I don't know, a New Zealand grade mm. competition. Uh, maybe it was last week, maybe it was a few weeks ago, of a leg spinner bowling to a batsman. Mm. And he bowled a, you know, he was bowling what looked like to be a leg break and it pitched mm. and the batsman went for a big cover drive. Mm. And he, the bowler obviously knew internally that it was a wrong one. And he did this <laughs> weird little skip, like, as, <laughs> as the guy went to play the shot because he knew he was playing down the wrong plane. And, yeah. like, at that moment, he was having a mental orgasm. Yeah. <laughs> and you can never get that bowling pace. Like, you can't bowl so no. – you can't – unless you sort of have some matrix ability, you're not going to sort of hit the seam and go, I know which way this is going to seem. Do you reckon Glenn McBride <laughs> had that? <laughs> unless you're James Anderson. <laughs> yeah. 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 Anyway. Um, well, just so I'm heading into um, the first match Australia for Australia, Australia versus Afghanistan – Probably one of the biggest selection issues is who bats three for Australia. So um, I put it to you, lads. Who bats one, two, three for Australia? I presume Smith's batting four for you. Yeah, yeah I think they're going to open with Warner and Finch, and I think that Sean Marsh will beat Usman Khawaja to that spot. One mm-hmm. thing that's kind of important to point out, like everyone's naming their side for the Australia, like the Australia's World Cup side. Like there are mm-hmm. 10 matches. There's no doubt mm-hmm. there'll be rotation and experimentation through it, especially if they win the first couple as well. Mm-hmm. Guy's going to go in and out of form. I think there's, you know, we love his chest, but there's a question mark over Stoinis at the moment. Big time. You know, he, big he hasn't time. Uh, made an impact with the bat for quite some time. Yeah. There's a big question mark over how long he takes to start mm-hmm. uh, and where you where you play him. Like, Stoinis at the moment is one of these guys you want to do well and give him every chance to do well. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, like, he's he'll probably play but and they, they will give him that chance. But, yeah, I think they're going to go for Sean Marsh over Kawaja because as much as Kawaja's average has been fantastic, uh, he's probably just doesn't have as – he's just a little bit more limited than Marsh in terms of his ability to explode. Well, there's probably a question here about facing spin as well. I mean, there is there's, there might have been a chance that Smith might bat three against Afghanistan, given that um, Afghanistan actually sometimes open the bowling with spin. Um, so you know, you lose a wicket early, then you probably want your best player of spin to face those pivotal overs, especially in the first power play. But uh, I suppose we'll find out when Australia do take on Afghanistan in the first match of the World Cup, which is coming up in just a few days' time. So uh, let's move on with the show. Uh, Izzy Westbury coming up. Then after that, we are talking to Will Bukowski. It's Queensgrove Sports' massive birthday sale. All brands reduced to clear. Kookaburra, Grey Nichols, New Balance, GM and more. Everything's priced to make you think it's actually worth it. Needn't you stick to kid yourself that you'll actually average above 11 this season? Don't waste your money on actual therapy. Try retail therapy instead. We've got last year's stock with this year's stickers. And double the price. We've got the brands of yesteryear too. Remember MRF? Brian Lara used one. So that must mean you're good enough to use it too. 
Flintoff and KP used a woodworm. I'm pretty sure they went into receivership, so we're basically giving them away. Remember when Albion sponsored Chris Martin, the worst batsman of all time? I have no idea how these bizarre alien pads didn't sell out. We've got them! What about those weird Indian brands that look like railway sleepers, weigh the same and have absolutely no middle? We've got you covered. We even sell bats with no stickers on them, so it looks like you're trying to get sponsored, even though you're in fifth grade. So rush into Queensgrove Sports today and make this season your last. Well, lads, she's a cricket reporter with the UK's Telegraph, uh, not to be confused with Australia's Telegraph, this is a good paper, uh, a BBC (laughs) sport broadcaster and not incongruously at all, an enforcement lawyer with the Financial Conduct Authority. Uh, I'm talking about Izzy Westbury. Izzy, welcome to the show. Uh, First question, did the findings from Australia's Royal Commission go far enough and can you paint a picture of the regulatory mess that is Brexit? (laughs) I honestly didn't think you were going to go there. Um, There's obviously um, a huge crossover between ethics uh, in finance and banking and cricket, as, 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 as we've seen. And uh, I think mm. the, the bottom line, if we're talking about lines, is we've got to do better, fellas. Spend <laughs> 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 millions on a royal sure. fish, but lads, just do better. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, okay, uh, Izzy, we're in various places around Australia doing this uh, conversation. What's the vibe like in England ahead of the tournament starting? I know there's... There's a lot of conjecture over whether enough people will see it because it's not on free-to-air, et cetera. But do you get the sense that there is some kind of atmosphere building for the World Cup in the UK? I think there is. Um, I think that we know that we are in the best side in the world and therefore we also know that we're therefore going to get knocked out in the studies. That is the overarching (laughs) vibe. Um, I mean, you only have to look at our kit launch, for example. I mean, what do I say? The kit is beautiful. But where's the inspiration from? 1992. <laughs> what did we do in 1992? We came runners-up. <laughs> 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 I, I just don't think anybody knows or can even comprehend winning. It, no one's ever experienced it. And so we're just, we're just in unknown territory um, and I mean, it's not even a, it's not even a sense of daring to dream. We just don't know what it's like. It's like it's like men going to Mars. We we just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, how does it, Izzy? How does it compare to say the expectations ahead of the football World Cup last summer? Because um, there was obviously huge expectations there. Again, let down. But um, is it kind of on par with that? I mean, I know it's not as mainstream as sport, but there is hype. Are people willing to believe? Well, this is the sort of hilarious thing. Actually, the England, the, the men's team, they, <laughs> I think they got in Gareth Southgate to come and consult them, but he kind of rocked <laughs> up and didn't know what to say because he was like, well, we ended the World Cup and no one thought we'd do anything and then we did do something. But you guys, <laughs> everyone thinks we're going to do something. So basically, yeah, don't fuck it up. Professional <laughs> <laughs> stuff. Um, is he on to ask? Obviously, there's a few injury scares from yesterday's warm-up game against Australia. Um, you know, Mark Woodward went off the field. Joffre Archer, I think uh, Dawson cop one on the thumb. Um, any sort of injury scares that the that, that Australians can hang on to that's going to decimate this England squad? And is Paul Collingwood the new Gary Pratt? <laughs> I 
actually I've got a story about that Paul Collingwood so as you know that if you get invited into sort of the establishment of say the cricket world that the key thing isn't about um, your, your byline or your, your email it's about whether you get into the WhatsApp group right so I got invited <laughs> well, of course into, obviously I got invited into the um, the written media what, WhatsApp group so I basically made it and mm. um, it, 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 mm. it's it's the England media chap sort of he he'll He'll tell us about team sheets and some news and a few embargo things. It's all very serious. But now and again, there's a bit of banter. And yesterday, I was, I was at a different match. I was at an Indian match, which was well, a whole other matter. And he, he wrote on the, um, on the WhatsApp group um, that Collingwood has, uh, <laughs> has... Collingwood is stripped. <laughs> and now I read that and went, Paul Collingwood has stripped <laughs> so I wrote back I read it as Collingwood a strip with those little googly eyes expecting a whole load of banter to ensue absolute silence like they just nothing nothing came out of it and I, I'm just worried guys, chaps I, I've, been, I've been shunned I don't, I don't know what to do just 10 blokes this is an ask yeah. this, yeah. this is an ask CGC question what, what do I do in this WhatsApp group we're absolutely excited after what I thought was the line of the century. Because <laughs> mm. now, though, you can, like, look and you can get the info on the message and see yeah. who has seen yes. it. You know what I mean? So that's the yeah. first thing I'd that be doing. But if you've got two yes. double blue ticks, that means every single person has eyeballed that message and, re- yeah. and responded with yeah. nothing, which is extremely <laughs> troubling, and I understand oh, your situation. Shit. I'm a yeah. bit... um. I'm a bit rattled by it myself. Well, the next but one, the, also, next, the next notification needs to be Izzy Westbury has left the group. <laughs> <laughs> but also, Izzy, you, you sh- you've gone against all protocol of WhatsApp groups in revealing what was said by someone in the group. <laughs> yeah. So you, you should leave the group uh, and WhatsApp in general. <laughs> So basically what you're saying is that my career is over before it's even started. This, this is a sad day. Oh, you had a good run. <laughs> I had a good run. I had a good run. It lasted a couple of days. Um, England, I mean, the approach to our injuries in Australia, I think it's basically we're taking the approach that when you're, you're playing a lesser nation like your, I don't know, your, your, your Netherlands or Namibia's or maybe, maybe even your, your Zimbabwe's these days, Mm. Um, and of course, you're Australians. Then, then you need to you know, <laughs> rest up on the on the big on the big sellers and when we when we need them really. So that's all it is. About really. Sp- speaking of Australia, Izzy, uh, there was as we described earlier uh, the. You know, tedious interplay began uh, with Warner and Smith entering the field in Hampshire and receiving uh, rapturous boos from the crowd. And then that cued, you know, the moral grandstanders in Australia saying, oh, that's not really right. We wouldn't do that here. And that is, you know, a, a straight lie. Um, yeah. You know, what, what's the what's the feeling in England about Smith and Warner, if any? Uh, and, and how do England plan on using crowd boos to, to teach colonial inferiors about behavioural standards? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously, there's a sense of inevitability. Like, there's, there's obvious avenues. I mean, the Barmy Army, apparently they've made, what, nine songs now or something along the lines. There's going to be the chance. There's going to be the um, the sandpaper. I don't know, the four or six signs in sandpaper writing. There's, that's going to happen. We know that. What's more interesting, actually, is that the establishments have started getting on the act, too. It's sort of like state-sponsored sledging. Um, so it's like the BBC. <laughs> BBC. They, um, which, you know, it's like the state broadcaster. They wrote a song, and actually they played it as well, I have to send it to you, um, to, um, to the tune of Don McLean's American Pie. 
artist <laughs> had written a song called The Australian Lie, and it, it's absolutely mm-hmm. beautiful. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if you have seen it, but, it's, but it, you know, lyrics such as singing, this will be the itch in Cam's fly. This will be the itch in Cam's fly. <laughs> Um, <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. Oh my god! <laughs> no one writes a parody chain, song. Up one side. <laughs> no, no one is better at writing a parody song than a bunch of unemployed blokes. <laughs> and of course, you know, and, and of course, the only, the only time this ever comes up is when England's doing badly. So I think this, this song came out. I think when we were getting uh, trounced by West Indies in uh, in the test, that so we had to come up with something to kind of make things better. Um, but then, you know, not even only the BBC, but if you look at the other traditional cricketing establishments like Wisden, uh, um, like MCC. Now, Jeff Lemon is a wonderful writer, and and, and his book. Uh, Speed from this Men, which obviously is all about the sandpaper, it won both those awards. I'm, I'm not saying it's not because Jeff Lemon wouldn't have won it anyway, but I mean we're literally endorsing that the, the, the sandpaper gate is something that we want to get on the act on, and so it's going to be down in history forevermore. And Wisdom and the MPs Book of the Year was the sandpaper book by Jeff. So mm. it's that's the, that's the interesting stuff. We've got we've got the stuff that we already know, the bar, the army, whatever. But it's it's the seeping in of the establishments that just mm. saying, yeah. We want to have this as well. Mm. Um, uh, one other thing as well, I think, I think Steve Smith, this, this, with Australian sort of the bad boys of Australian cricket, I think David Boone, Shane, we like Australians who are a bit, a bit, a bit what was, it, was the word? Shit blokes. We like that. What we really, really like <laughs> is when you've, got, when you've got someone who is the idol. I mean, he went like Australian of the Year or something. And then he's fucks up and then he tries to get back in is that a good bloke again that's what we really hate I mean Warner we can we can, we can love to hate him it's a bit like um, <laughs> Mitchell Johnson and we embraced him like Shane Warner as well we kind of love to hate him mm. we can love to hate Warner but we actually really really hate Steve Smith Mm-hmm. It's because you need your Australians to be like 1980s stereotypes, like not clever or smart or anything. You just yeah. need them to be like characters <laughs> off Neighbours. Well, when the characters <laughs> off Neighbours, we understand them, and it's like dance, Aussie, be that guy. You know, we understand that. <laughs> it's good, well, and it's and a nice. We need. Well, just as we need to fulfil the stereotype of you know Monty Python in the 18th century, <laughs> you need to fulfil your stereotype too. I mean, play the role, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone be the thing you always were. Never yeah. change. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's nice. Um, Izzy, thank you for giving us a preview and an insight into uh, the state of play in the UK ahead of the World Cup. We'd love to catch up with you. Uh, as the tournament goes on, if you, um, like Dan last week, ever want to speak to us uh, ever again. <laughs> it would be a pleasure, Sanders. Kat actually wrote uh, a three-part fan fiction series a few years ago uh, entitled The Choke, which looked at the, the, the fallout from the dressing room <laughs> altercation between yourself and Michael Clark. Now, clearly this incident split the team into two lines, you know, much like Christos Tsiolkas' novel The Slap. Um, can, I, can I send that to you for feedback? Because I think you'll like it. <laughs> I think you've just got good feedback, haven't you? <laughs> Fan fiction. Boys, uh, a few years ago in 2016, as you two know, the, the three of us were uh, nervously occupying seats at the MCG press box. We were frauds uh, in a sea of professional journalists 
and later we'd discover that imposter syndrome is common among many journalists. Uh, when that happened, a, a polite, well-spoken young man with large forearms approached us asking for a photo, um, as he and his family were, in his words, big fans. Uh, Righto, champ, we reflexively responded before learning that we were talking to Will Pukowski, literally the future of Australian cricket. Uh, fast forward a few years, uh, there's hundreds, double hundreds, awards and selections galore. It's been a few twists and turns along the way. I texted him last night to ask if he was A, circuiting, and B, came to cut on the show, and he answered yes to both. So um, with that in mind, welcome to the great cricketer, Will Pukowski. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate the little intro. <laughs> you've changed in three years that was an yeah. aggressive tone yeah <laughs> I mean well we, we don't need to ask about club cricket because you obviously don't deal with that trash anymore no. um, so I'll keep asking how, how was last night's circuit uh, yeah it was good pretty, pretty standard just going to the SP in Melbourne which is the hot spot at the moment can't really find anything else so yeah it was good okay the is the hot spot that's a sort of had a renaissance and um Last time we, we caught up, Will, you mentioned that you were doing an arts degree uh, and you sort of done first year. It was a bit of a bludge. I went through the old interview. Mm. Presumably you're knuckling down now on, on gender studies and sociology with Durkheim and Weber, etc. <laughs> yep. I reckon after that conversation, I cancelled my arts degree about two hours later and I haven't been back to uni since. So <laughs> that's a bit unfortunate. But no, I did, I did go back for a bit. I tried to do a business degree for about six months, but struggled my way through that. And then... Yeah, I guess I'm in a little uh, little renaissance from uni for a bit, but we'll see how we go. <laughs> um, I, I, I suppose you're in that um, period away from uni because you've um, literally just been scoring heaps of hundreds. Uh, like, talk us through the summer you've just had. You've been brought into the international fold. It's been centuries. You're the Bradman Young Cricketer of the Year. You won the Shield with Victoria. Uh, how do you reflect on the summer? Uh, yeah, it's been, it was a big summer, obviously, Um few sort of highs, a few lows, but uh, obviously awesome to win the Shield with Victoria. Um, I was obviously saying that at 21, it's pretty special to do. Um, and yeah, it was a big summer, but obviously looking forward to a few things coming ahead as well, so should be good. Will, so like, let's be honest, what do you have to do to get on a plane to the Ashes, like aside from hijacking plane itself or, or marrying one of Justin Langer's daughters and you're probably too young to settle it down let's be honest well what do you need to do to get picked in that squad between now and then uh oh it's a good question we've got the aid to us so a few runs on that would be handy I think uh that'd be a good start and then I don't really know other than that sort of a bit of a luck of the draw thing obviously with Smith and Water coming back there's two batting spots that are taken up um, a bit annoying isn't it yeah it's sort of just oh well <laughs> can't win them all but that's right um, <laughs> probably good for Australia at least um, then, that's the wrong answer yeah. <laughs> good for Australia if um, not me yeah, <laughs> yeah sorry, I think yeah just the ace will hold a fair bit of weight I would think so I've got five one days and a few four days after that as well so there we go over there Mate, obviously you were brought in for the um, the Sri Lanka series at the end of the summer there, and then um, sort of went with Curtis Patterson. who was obviously just in the the real midst of a, a run scoring spree himself at that point, so you sort of missed out on your test taboo and what otherwise might have been. But have you had conversations with sort of Justin Langer, you know, around that time or even since then? Uh, I've, yeah, I've chatted to him, not necessarily about selection, more just general things. Um, mm. But yeah, the election. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
yeah, so I'll just say more, more, more just, yeah, general stuff and mm. sort of catching up on how I'm going now this year, so back into the shooting season is going, but mm. um, I know you probably don't want me to say this, but it's pretty hard not to pick a bloke who's just made 200 in the warm-up game against the 10 playing against. Yeah. It is quite yeah. logical thinking, yeah. mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Will, like, just in terms of the Ashes, there, there are still batting spots up for grabs and Cricket Australia has essentially selected like every batsman who could possibly be in contention for both like an like an A to a one day series and then a four day series and you're in both of those sides I mean are you just fully focused on doing everything possible to be part of that Ashes squad I mean where, where's your head at with it um to be honest, not really. I'm sort of, obviously I've been for a bit over the last year or two, and it's probably more, um, I'm trying to sort of link selection and the back a bit. I think it's one of those things that can stress you out quite a bit, regardless of what level you're playing at. So, mm. um, probably honestly more about just going over there and just sort of trying to win and enjoy it, because I think that's sort of the best sort of cricket anyway. Um, again, that's probably a bit too sensible for this podcast, but... Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those things where you sort of enjoy them. Um, at the end of the day, I'm 21, so you get picked, it's amazing if you don't. There's uh, plenty going on in Melbourne to occupy me for a couple of months before the thing is done. Yeah. Will. You're obviously a glutton for runs. Um, this this season just passed. You hit 242 in, in one innings. I'm just curious as to your thoughts on celebrating each 50 run increment post hitting the century. Like, how do you how do you celebrate a 150 versus like a 200? Is the 200 celebrated with more gusto than the 100? Or did you study archive footage of Bradman celebrating his various milestones? Can you kind of run us through the celebration? Um, well, I always thought. Might just be my perception, but like for each 50, it's less carry on than each 100. So even though 150 is more than 100, you carry on less just because that's mm. sort of the principle. Business as usual. I don't know what the goal is, but I'm sort of, if you watch like Smith and stuff, I think they usually go that way. I don't know, I'll have to look at it more closely. But it's just like for me, it, it's. Kind of it. Yeah, but it's like if you hit 100 and you celebrate wildly. You should celebrate even more wildly when you hit 150 because it's 50 more runs yeah, right, than the 100. Yeah. Logically, mm. logically, that would make sense. But I think it's mm. sort of like everyone wants to make 100 before they go out. The bat. But yeah. And then you get 100. That's the ultimate. I think it's right. Yeah. I think it's probably because when you score 100, someone inevitably yells out, start again. So then the 150 is actually yeah. only 50. That's probably what it is. Yeah, all the halfway, uh, all the halfway there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I get it. Like, 150 isn't a multiple of 100, though, which has this kind of mm. arbitrary, like, iconicism yeah. in cricket. So, like, 150 doesn't go – isn't divisible, you know, by 100 in a, in a – <laughs> Well, and why does everyone subscribe to the 100 being the thing? Like, if, if Chinese play cricket, like, I mean, I know that the number eight is of importance for the Chinese. Like, what if they scored 88 and just a huge celebration? Yeah. Well, in the, in the one-day game, that might be worthwhile. Sorry, Will, he asked you a question, then I answer it. Um, Will um, let's move – this is getting silly. So let's move into the throwdowns section. I think we may have already begun it, but um, I have, you've got a, quite a lively social media presence. Uh, for the, I'd just like to refer people to my guests' uh, social media mm. presences. But um, So follow Will, but 
uh, you, share, you share views on matters as varied as AFL, EPL, The Bachelor, Married at First Sight, and just general observations <laughs> about your friends. Um, so I just want to refer you to a tweet you posted the other day, May 21. My friend George Fry had the chance to hang out with his mates tonight. Instead, he decided to take a girl out for dinner who has a boyfriend and followed that up by taking another girl out for ice cream who also has a boyfriend, poor form George. Mm. So I just, uh, are you able to provide a bit of background to that story? And do you appreciate that your words specifically have significant reach across the globe? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't have enough followers to have that much. But a bemused Indians gave us some feedback about that one. <laughs> <laughs> I just think the general premise is like you can hang out with a girlfriend over your mates occasionally, that's okay, but to do it with a girl who has a boyfriend that is just stupid, that you're not getting anything out of that and you have the opportunity to hang out with your mates. I'm not saying you can't be friends with girls, but like if the boys are catching up, it, you should like that should take priority. But just like as a follow up there, like in, in your group of friends, do they do they then go, Oh god, like like Will Pekovsky's Twitter shame to me. Like this is Will Pekovsky. <laughs> like is that how you teach lessons to your friends whose behaviour you don't like you just Twitter shame them? Uh, well, I've sort of had a couple of tips with George recently on Instagram as well, because what he does <laughs> is he tries to do it really sneakily, which implies it's more. If you just open and honest about it and say this is what I'm doing then like, we'll probably give it to you a bit, but uh, at the end of the day, at least they told us. But he does it in a way where he tries to get away with it. So he'll flick off his Find My Friends, he'll flick off his Snap Maps and try to get away with it. But then if really? he gets caught out, that's when it's sort of extra, yeah. um, I guess, right. exciting for us. Yeah. And it's a bit of a, so it's one of those things where it's that yeah, dishonesty which makes it a bit harder to, harder to cop as a friend. But, yeah, yeah. it makes sure that... I think I got 200 likes on the tweet in the end, so obviously... <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think I got about 200. Yeah. Unsick. You're a man of convictions. Yeah. Strong convictions. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I was trying to get the message out of it. Mm. And now it's out there further. Uh, Will, another one from me. Um, you've, I understand you've circuited with the Australian squad. Um, can you give us some insight into what a test standard circuit looks like in terms of like who chooses the venue, who are the alphas, who doesn't pay for a round, et cetera, and please obviously be aware that your answers are on public record, so don't hold back? <laughs> I think no one, no one pays for a round. Is well, the taxpayer paying for the round, are we? Hmm. I think so, yeah. Well, I think whoever the owner of the bar or the bar is, is the one paying mm. for the round most of the time. Mm. Um, mm. It's very funny enough. It's very similar structurally to a club circuit, where sort of you, you look at it as like a first eleven to fourth eleven sort of setup. But mm. yep. the more games you've played, the more presence and sort of power you've got in terms of where we go. Yeah. Right now. Mm. Um, probably the main difference is the um, extra sort of hanger on is I noticed that mm. uh, quite significant when a few of the big boys rolled in, but. Right. So I assume that you're on a circuit, so you're not wearing team kit, are you? There's no team polos or anything. No. So what's like? What's Justin like? What's Justin Langer wearing? Like three quarter pants and a polo? Like, well, what is, what, what's everyone wearing? <laughs> Corduroys. So, well, I've only been on one circuit, and Jail didn't join us, so I can't comment on that. But um, the kit actually stays pretty standard. There might be a few extra. Garments, like a few Rolexes or something, you wouldn't see normally. Mm. IPL money. One of the perks, mm. I guess. Yeah, exactly. So, mm. Yeah, it was actually it was a good experience, to be fair. Mm. Mm. Yeah, probably just one of those things where you felt like a 
Will, you were the worthy recipient of the Bradman Young Cricketer Award back in February. Um, given that it's generally accepted that professional athletes have become exponentially better than those in the generations before, how satisfying is it to know that you're probably a better player than Bradman ever was? <laughs> um, yeah, pretty satisfying. <laughs> <laughs> Pekowski rates himself better than yep. Bradman. Fox Sports is yeah, already it. writing it. I can yeah. hear the typewriter. We got it. Yeah. We got it. Jacob, don't write um, it. He's joking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't really know how to answer that, to be honest. Ah, yeah. Oh, you already have. Yeah. It's already up online. <laughs> yeah, no, it's really good. It's going to be better than Bradman. Yeah. I like that you put the modifier maybe a bit over the top. <laughs> anyway, no, listen, this is this is unfair. Okay, uh, so so Will, uh, stories emerged uh, upon your um, selection in the Australian squad recently that um, such was the kind of hype around what a good player you were as a junior, and you must have been quite good. Um, that Ricky Ponting was secretly flown to watch you play uh, and to observe whether you were any good or not, and I guess. My question to you is, um, did you know he was there when you were 11 years old, or was he like one of those dads that doesn't want to put pressure on his son and therefore hides behind a tree? <laughs> um, Just peeking out the side. Well, I, I didn't know he was there, so he did a good job of hiding if he was suddenly flying to watch one of my under-12 games. Um, but, yeah, I yeah, don't have any recollection of that happening, but... So was he really there? I mean, it's kind of like when my dad said that he used to come to my games, but I never actually <laughs> saw him there. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> well, maybe your dad and Mickey are similar. I don't know. But I, had a, I had a hit with him when I was all, oh, maybe 10 or 11 in the net. Um, uh-huh. So I don't know if that, that that might be the actual story and it might have been made up to um, what you've just come up with there over the years. But, um mm. Yeah, I don't recall him ever actually being at a game I was playing and him right. or hiding him. behind the tree. Would he still been would he still been playing though? Yeah, he would have definitely. Mm. Yeah, I don't know, so, mate. So I don't, pretty, 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 pretty never came to my game. Out of the Australian captain's schedule, we do that, but. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I, I just it blacked out on the start. So Ponting flew to watch you, or or did, was he driven? I, <laughs> was he flown? Pez, did oh, I don't he, know. You're the ones with the story. Pez, the story that you read. Uh, yeah, no, he was flying private jet. Private jet, okay. Um, yeah. On Drake's plane. What? Who's private jet? What was it? It was Drake's oh, plane. On, oh, didn't offset his carbon emissions either. Mm. Early IPL money. <laughs> Early IPL money. <laughs> Uh, I think uh, well, look, I've just got I've just got one more here, Will. Um, so just in the same way that a former Test cricketer and hair replacement advocate has now four times rejected invitations to appear on this show, um, at what point during this year's Ashes series will your star have risen sufficiently enough to warrant you ignoring communication from us, or is our colourful <laughs> veteran um, offered grateful for the opportunity but no uh, in capital letters? Um, <laughs> probably last year I was playing for Jake last night and. I try to stay pretty um, stay pretty loyal and I, I remember how starstruck I was in the box that day as you said in the intro so that hasn't changed so I guess you're um, probably in luck in that regard 
I get starstruck easily. Yeah, mate. There's a zero doubt that you won't remember us in 24 months. Will Bukowski, <laughs> um, thanks, uh, thanks very much for coming on the show. You are very loyal to do so. No worries. Thanks for having me, guys. Look, to be honest, I don't try and take the piss too much, but the problem is you start to get a little bit bored, so I sort of... I used to hate that. I sort of... uh, I try and do the right thing by the competition, I must admit. When I go there, I try and play conventionally, but realistically, I'm thinking from ball one, I just want to park this fucking thing into the car park. (laughs) (laughs) But you don't want to come out of it and people say, look at that arsehole, Hodgie, you know, so... Hashtag Ask TGC. Welcome back. Will we get the chance to answer your ridiculous, long, lengthy, exuberant questions each week? And this one comes in from at Real Stuart Kemp. He said, this is mostly for you, Pez. Uh, This is a cricket question wrapped up in an identity crisis. I have attended eight Ashes tests in the UK across three tours, only ever tasting abject defeat. Having now lived in London for five years as an Australian, I have been rendered scarred and broken. These scars, however, are not induced by the consistent losing, but by my very brothers and sisters living abroad. With the approach of the World Cup and, more importantly, the Ashes, I have bore witness to some of the most nauseating displays of Australianness that I have lost my nationalistic cricket-loving identity. Observing these pathetic, self-serving sycophants over here has rendered me embarrassed to support my own nation. These people usually identified playing Aussie rules or heard screaming their accents out in the pub in a weak attempt to heighten their own inadequate and incorrect perception of their uniqueness. In the most vile of occasions, they are a part of some sort of fanatics club, often seen with green and gold face paint, having just had a fresh injection of finances from the bank of mum and dad, as unsurprisingly, again, they failed to budget despite... Um, despite their great job pouring pints. What am I to do? I feel it to be as inevitable as our top order failing against the swinging red duke that this upcoming summer of cricketing bliss will be spoiled by my own people who are often uh, distinguished by the use of the phrase get around me. I cannot, however, fathom anyone, any more English cricketing success. Please help from Stu. That, I don't know why that one's just for Pez. Maybe it's just like from living over in... Uh, the UK for a little bit, but um, this question of like, yeah, how do you? Three of us have done. How do you? Um, <laughs> how do you like feel and be a proud Australian when so many Australians in the UK, especially those who say "get around me" and identify playing Aussie rules and play Aussie rules down the south of London a lot when you're living in the UK, are so ubiquitous everywhere? It's a question that I don't really know the answer to, but. You, you know, you can't. There's, the people exist. You know, there are there are good Aussies out there. Haven't found them yet, but they're, they're good. <laughs> well, it's not just England that Australians go to. I mean, this is a global phenomenon. Australians are everywhere. They're in the US. They're in, you know, the deepest reserves of you know, Latin America, you know, kicking Aussie rules balls around and shouting, get around me in a pub and, or in places, you know, of, of, of deep religious belief, you know, like in places where they, they really, really shouldn't be doing this. Um, I, I don't know what the answer is here other than to stop granting visas to people who are shit cunts. <laughs> you mean other countries granting them to Australians? Yes. Yes. He goes. I like the way I, I, I don't know. I like the way Stu wrote that. But like, the, the, I mean, there is nothing worse than when people 
go, they move away from home to go and find sex of home in another country. And like, I mean, London specifically is just is just a you know, it's probably it's probably the third largest city of Australians outside Sydney and Melbourne, mm-hmm. if I had to guess. Um, so um, I don't know. Get around them. Mm-hmm. Get around them, Stu. Just get it. Yeah, if you can't beat them, join them. I reckon. Yep. Face paint. Yep. Face paint. Um, We're gonna around. lose. Yeah. yeah. Or are we? <laughs> Yeah. Good point. Uh, There's no point I, there. Love. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, last one because it's been a long cast uh, from Hugh Patterson. Hi, chaps. He says, was hoping you might be able to offer some advice on a rather troubling matter involving body shaming. I'm currently in the process of toilet training my young son. Mm. Apparently a big part of this is him watching me relieve myself so he knows what the toilet is for and how to use it. Okay. Unfortunately, every morning is a horror show. My son stands next to me as I'm passing water, looks at my member, then looks at me and laughs uncontrollably. This happens every morning, and I've never felt so self-conscious in my life. Obviously, I need to toilet train my son, but I don't know if I can take the body shaming. Any advice would be appreciated. Well, crickets ruins um, his life. Ruins Hugh's life. He, He can never be exposed in any sort of manner, let alone by his son who wouldn't know what he's... A toddler, a mere toddler. I mean, Dave, you are you are a father. You are mm-hmm. one of two fathers in this trio. Discuss. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm getting to that point. I mean, he, my son is, what, 16 months now. But I don't... He, I can't have him stand next to the toilet because he actually really is interested in the toilet and probably would want to put his hands into mm. the toilet and surely my stream as a consequence of that, um, mm. which I also I believe is a thing that happens. Mm. Um, so I don't put him on the ground I hold him but he does arch his head over to watch the entire thing so mm. you go to the toilet you, you, you urinate my son is watching the entire experience he hasn't actually shown any kind of you know reaction to it yet um, mm. but maybe it's just the perspective he's you know watching it from mm. yeah like uh, like my son just grabs my leg you know and just tugs tugs on my leg like while I'm mm. trying to do a wee and um, I find that quite frustrating but I mean I suppose in answer to the question rather than just describing what our various children do when we go to the toilet but um, like Hugh I would I would focus on toilet training your son rather than um, overlaying club cricket uh, (coughs) like social phenomena to mm. to your young son just wanting mm. to learn how to use the bathroom, you know what I mean? And like yep. thinking that your body has been shamed by just a toddler, he just wants his father to teach him how to use the bathroom. Um, mm. uh, like I mean, like he goes said, club cricket's really, really done a number on you, and I'd urge mm. you just to um, wake up a little mm. bit, um, let mm. that go, and be a father to your son and teach mm. him how to use the toilet. Well, as you said towards the end of it, obviously I need to toilet train my son. Yeah. Mm. You do, you, mm. and please just do that, um, mm. and, and just accept that. Yeah, <laughs> your your deep seated anxieties that stem from you know p- potentially being uh, humiliated in the cricket change rooms should you know be swept aside in favour mm. of just educating your son around general <laughs> social customs that he must uh, simply uh, learn how to do. Otherwise, he won't be able to fit into society. I'd like to change my answer and tell Hugh that maybe he'd like, like to think about, you know, splitting up his gym routine, uh, maybe maybe focus on lats, uh, lats and shoulders maybe, uh, you know, chest and backs are obviously a famous uh, regime, arms in the same day, shoulders mm-hmm. twice a week, really get that V taper. Is that, is that what he wants to say? That's what I always want you to say. 
quick cricket. Is that just, did you just press a button? Because I feel like you've, I've heard that exact um, comment from you before. Like a pre-recorded Heo's response. Yeah. Before we came on the show and you said, how are you? And I just said that exact thing. Um, all right. Well, thanks as ever. Um, uh, for, for tuning in and listening to this, uh, this show. Uh, we've got another one coming out this week, and then when the World Cup starts proper, three shows per week all, due, all through the World Cup. Uh, thank you very much to Izzy Westbury over in the UK and Will Pekofsky in a hotel room in Brisbane after a circuit. Ian Higgins here signing off with Sam Perry and Dave Edwards. We'll see you later in the week.